popular annual Tenby Blues Festival is now in full swing all across the town. Running all through the weekend, the Blues Trail, where bands perform at various different venues, starts at noon and finishes around 7pm. The headline acts performing on Sunday at the Javalance Concert Hall are Gina Cecilia, the John Verity Band and Dusk Brothers. Information on timings and tickets can be found online at tenbblues.co.uk. David Powers Police Rural Crime Team are investigating the theft of a dog potentially worth £5,000. Mably is a three-year-old rear Welsh Springer Spaniel bitch who was in season when she disappeared. With a litter of pups, she'd be valued at around £5,000. She was stolen sometime between 4pm and 5pm on Monday, October the 28th from a farm near Newmoat in Clarberston Road. Her owner and other dogs have been left upset. Anyone with information that could help with locating Mably should please contact PC Gerwin Davis by calling 101. The walls leading up to Fishguard's Gateway Hub are awash with colour and climate change messages thanks to a competition run by Transition Bro Gwine, TBG. Young people from Fishguard and Goodick were invited to come up with their own mural designs on the theme of the climate crisis. The competition received hundreds of entries from local schools and Point Youth Club. These were all scanned by TBG's waste-busting coordinator, Becky Lloyd, who sent them off to local graffiti artist Lloyd Roberts. Lloyd took aspects of many of the different designs and incorporated them into a finished mural design. These were sprayed onto the wall leading up to the Gateway Hub like a giant painting-by-numbers page ready for local young people to fill them in with spray-painted colours. Young people from Point, as well as pupils from Uskil Wadig and Uskil Glanai Gwine, were responsible for turning the mural outline into a stunning and eye-catching piece of graffiti art. The mural, which has been supported by funding from Renew Wales and Fish Garden District Round Table, is part of a wider project to engage the community in discussions about climate change and what we can do to alleviate it through the arts, which has included a comedy night, a folk music gig and theatre performances. There will be a conference showcasing the work done by Transition Brogwine, supported by Renew Wales, on Wednesday, November the 27th. The Creative Climate Communications event will be a day of performances, workshops and dialogue for anyone who is or would like to be creatively engaging their group or community to talk about climate change in Wales. For more information and to book your place, please visit the eventbrite.co.uk website and click on the link for Creative Climate Communications tickets. A county councillor who uses a wheelchair had to discuss a matter with an officer in a car because a council office was not accessible, he told colleagues this week. The incident was flagged up by councillor Reg Owens during discussions on Pembrokeshire's county council's ongoing transformation process. Part of that process has involved smarter working for staff. Councillor Owens said he believed that moving staff to Thornton, Milford Haven potentially breached aspects of the Disability Discrimination Act, DDA, after a licensing officer had to discuss a matter with him in his car. Councillor Owens said he was told, You'll never get into my office. He raised concerns at corporate overview and scrutiny on Thursday, November the 7th. He added that he'd written to the council leader, Councillor David Simpson, and Chief Executive Ian Wesley about the issue. Councillor Owens said the Thornton site was built as a work depot and using empty space just because it was available, in some cases, trying to put a square peg in a round hole. As a wheelchair user and a member of the access group, 
Councillor Owens said although County Hall is accessible, he was concerned staff were being transferred to spaces that do not comply with the DDA. I'm Kim Thomas, and you're up to date with all the Pembrokeshire news here on Pure West Radio. Radio. Pure West Radio weather. Thank you very much indeed to the news team. So an update on the weather for you for this uh, Sunday afternoon. The for northern regions and uh, other areas will be feeling milder than yesterday after the weather we had. Cloudier but still dry further south, with clouds moving in for all during the evening with max temperatures of 9 degrees. Late tonight it should be staying rather clear with minimum temperatures of around 7 to 8 degrees overnight. Feeling slightly colder with a slight wind chill. You're up to date here on POS Radio. This Pure West, West Radio, Radio. And we are back into the final hour of the Sunday Gaming Show. Now, as mentioned for today, this is going to be a little bit different into this final hour of the show because today is, of course, Remembrance Sunday. So a lot of people all across the country and indeed this county as well have been uh, standing silent for two minutes uh, throughout the day for Remembrance uh, Services uh, in many places. And we actually have our own dedication to Armistice Day um in this next hour so here in the studio i've got john roach with me hello john how are you today i'm uh, very good thanks very good all right then so this is a radio play we're going to be playing now uh for this uh, next hour which is something quite special it's kind of dedicated to something that is quite close to yourself and to us in pembrokeshire so uh why don't you tell us what this is all about right the play is about um a cousin of my grandmother's who was shot on the last morning of the war uh, in November the 11th in 1918. Uh, it was presented on Pure West Radio last year to mark the centenary of the armistice. Uh, but my grandmother told me the tale many, many years ago when I was a teenager. And uh, I decided that a few years ago I would write a story about it and it evolved into a radio play and the soldier's name was Thomas Evan Roach. Now I researched the censuses of 1901 and 1911 from which I was able to get information about the other family members and he was 18 in 1916 so he went off to war in 1916 he fought bravely apparently and uh, but towards the end of the war towards september in 1918 he had felt he'd had enough and uh, he went absent without leave or deserted he was subsequently captured and um, because in the in the war there had to be three field officers and a court-martial and it had to be a unanimous decision that a soldier would be shot. Um, it wasn't an unanimous decision, so he was saved from, from that fate. Uh, but unfortunately, he was sent to the front where the fighting with the fear was the fiercest, and um, he was shot on the last morning of the war. I subsequently wrote a play then based on the information I'd gathered from A, from my grandmother's story and from the censuses, and uh, we put together as a play and many of my friends came around the house to record it on um, a simple computer in the back room using an audacity program uh, we brought it to the radio station and toby and stephanie kindly um, broadcast it 
a year ago. Um, Toby contacted me earlier this week and um, asked me if we could present it again. So here it is. Yes, indeed. So, uh, so this is going to be a forty-five minute play. It is something that's very gripping and emotional because well, I heard this last year, and it really did shock me. Just the idea of someone being killed on the last hour of the war a uh, hundred years ago when we actually heard that play. It was uh, something, yeah, very surreal and because uh, you know military family, you know, is very strong in my family's so You know, every generation has been in the military uh, who fought in the first war, fought in the second world war, and it's always been there and then to hear a play like this it really did tug on the heartstrings so it's something very very special and made by you know members of this county because you know we are a local race station this is a story about a local soldier so just curious actually where would we find um his name in the county is he on any of the particular cenotaphs in the county um it's on the cenotaph up in the north of the county uh near mathry okay so uh his name is there okay yes. okay Okay, so uh, so if, if ever you go past and you see that name, this is the story of that soldier. Right then, so uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Remember Me by John Roach. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back with you at the end of the play. you are you looking for a name yes i was interested to see whose names have been carved in this stone what's it called oh you mean the cenotaph are you looking for someone in particular perhaps i can help you maybe did you live here during the war which one what do you mean which one well the other one started who are you What's your name? Your voice. It's... How are you now, Tommy? Do you feel any better? You, you can't just go over. You're sure to get it next time. Just hold back for once. He's mad, that boy. Doesn't have a care about his own safety. Can't see him lasting that long. Surprised he's still with us. Can't you hear what they're saying? Tell me, what do you think about when you go out there? Orders, James. Kill or be killed. Yes, we all know that. It's why we go there. But you're always up first. I can't understand why. Tommy, don't go off like that. I'm only trying to help. What did he say? It's only you he'll talk to. You come from the same place, don't you? What was he like at home? He never talks to us. It's only you we confide in. Are you related? No, we're not. I promised his mother I'd keep an eye on him. But as you can see, I'm helpless when he's out there. I'm Tommy. I was born in 1898, when Victoria was still queen. She ruled the biggest empire in the world. Britain was truly great, or so we were told. I'm Tommy's father. 
I went to the registrar to tell him that my son had been born. I was asked to sign the certificate, but I couldn't write my name very well at the time, so I made my mark with a cross. Like so many children born at this time, the cross confirmed their arrival to the world, as well as predicting their premature departure from it. Tommy's father James worked on a farm from dawn until dusk, and he rarely had a chance to go home to see his family. Occasionally he'd write to his wife Emily. My dear Emily, I'm sorry but I can't come home again. There's a lot of work to do. Mr Jones says it's the time of year and he needs me. How are Maggie and Tommy? I hope he's getting on better now. Oh, I don't worry about my little girl. She's tough. She can look after herself. She'll make someone a good wife one day. Tommy, oh, he's a different story. I just wonder what his future will be. I shall try to get home next Sunday. James. There. I can write. Now to find someone who can take this to Emily for me. Nesta's going. She told me she's going on Sunday. At certain times of the year, James was so busy he rarely came home to see us. Luckily, my friend Nesta used to take him letters from me. We've both learnt to read and write. Maggie's a big help now she's in school. She's a bright girl. I went to school in Mathry. Until I was 12 and then I went to work on the same farm my father had. We all had to work hard to make sure we could have enough food. You see, when I was seven, something happened that changed our lives forever. Little Tommy, caught speaking Welsh, going to get the cane. I heard you speaking Welsh just now. I'm supposed to pass it on. Don't think you're going to pass it on to me, because I'll give it right back, won't we? Too right, you thick boy. We're bigger than you. And you tell us we'll hammer you on the way home. Shut up, the schooling's coming this way. You better shut up too, you little thicko. Tommy, can I see you a minute? You too. Go off and play, will you? But sir, I haven't been able to pass this on. Never mind about that now. Just give it to me. I need to speak to you. At this time in Wales, children were discouraged from speaking Welsh in school. If they were heard doing so, a piece of wood called a Welsh knot was placed around their necks. They then tried to find someone speaking the language, and the child who ended the school day with a piece of wood around his or her neck was beaten severely. But I haven't done anything. Your mother is here and needs to talk to you, Tommy. Will I get the cane, sir? You don't mind me speaking Welsh to my children, Mr Richards. Tommy, my ganina with yon drug. Maggie, dere mang hariadi, my ganina with yon drug. Madame, mine what he dig without a farm. Madadi with the kali love. Tommy's mother had bad news. His father had been killed in an accident on the farm. Her two children were devastated, as was she. They worried. What would happen to them? Most families found it difficult to survive on the wages they earned. Although Tommy's sister Maggie was only nine, she realised what the outcome could be. What will we do, ma'am? I don't know, Bach. 
It's all right, Tommy. I'm here for you. Please don't let me go to Haverford West. To the workhouse, ma'am. When my husband was killed, I wondered how we would survive. I thought we'd have to go to the workhouse in Haverford West, but my parents took us in. Luckily, James's brothers and sisters helped out a lot, and we had lots of clothes handed down. But by the time they came to Maggie and Tommy, they'd been worn by seven or eight children, so you can imagine what they were like. Neighbours helped as well, and the people for whom I worked used to give us extra food. I'm Tommy's big sister Maggie. He gets upset easily. I always had to look after him in school until I left. Tommy and Maggie were born at the end of the 19th century. During this time, some of the European countries, including Britain, had greedily taken over most of the African continent. Many nations had plundered the labour force centuries before and had transported the inhabitants as slaves over both the Atlantic and Indian Oceans. But now they wanted the riches from under the ground. I see that diamonds and gold have been found in southern Africa. You were very quick to take over that part of the country. Didn't that belong to the Dutch? But the land now belongs to us. We shall have to keep an eye on how things work out. And how will you do that? We have taken over land to the west of you. Oh, that's a bit unfortunate. Mm, and we have land to the north of you. Otherwise you would rule the continent from north to south. Monsieur, madame, as you have Egypt, we have taken over Morocco. Oh, and why have you done that? We can keep an eye on trade between America and the Mediterranean. We too want some of the riches of the continent. This is very unsatisfactory. Still, the situation may change when we have built a large navy. And we too can keep an eye on trade between America and Europe in the Atlantic. These arguments hadn't affected Tommy and Maggie personally. News regarding the conflicts between the great powers didn't enter their innocent lives. Their priority was surviving at home earning enough money to be able to put food on the table. Germany had beaten France in the Franco-Prussian War, a war in which France had lost some provinces to Germany. There was no love lost between these two countries. Although it had a small coastline, Germany began to build a large navy, and Britain was worried. The bickering continued. The final straw came in June 1914 when the Archduke Franz Ferdinand from Austria-Hungary and his wife Sophie decided to make a state visit to Sarajevo where they were assassinated by Gravilio Princip. He was a Serbian nationalist who wanted to unite Serbia with Bosnia-Herzegovina to form a nation of Slavic people. Austria-Hungary decided to take revenge and invaded Serbia but this country was friendly with Russia so Russia became involved. Everyone was talking about this on my 16th birthday. I didn't know where Sarajevo was. I'd never met a duke, or even an archduke. People were saying Britain would have to do something. George V of Britain and Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany were cousins, but they couldn't sort out the family problem. Some families are like that. Our family all pulled together when we had a disaster. Germany seeing a threat from Russia, 
came to the help of Austria-Hungary. France wasn't happy about this, so Germany decided to invade it by marching through Belgium. Britain was friendly with Belgium and France and said, my friend's enemy is my enemy. We were worried that all our young men would become involved, but lots of people were keen for a war to sort out the problems in Europe. Maggie's fiancé Arthur wanted to join the army. He said he'd be back home by Christmas. Men volunteered to become soldiers in their droves. It was the thing to do. And after training, they were sent over to France to fight against the German army. Enthusiasm to go to war was remarkable. This was now the 20th century, and the development of weapons meant far greater carnage that had existed in any other war was a possibility. Everyone who had been involved in previous combat appeared ignorant of these consequences. Your country needs you. This was the message on posters seen all over the place. Once Tommy had reached the age of 18, he knew he'd be expected to join the army. A law had been passed in early 1916 that all 19-year-old men had to join up. But it was changed to 18 some months later. There was no escape. There were plenty of farm labourers in Pembrokeshire who were under 18. There's a letter for you, Tommy. It came last week. You'd better open it. It's from the War Office, ma'am. Now you're 18, you've got to be a man. You can't stay round here. Go show them that you can. Go off to fight in trenches, kill a man or two. Go off to join the army, go join them in the queue. <laughs> I wish those girls would be quiet. They haven't got a clue what it's like on the front. Uncle Bill's out in France. What's it like? I don't know, Tommy. We haven't heard. Does Auntie Martha write to him? Every week. Will you write to me, ma'am? Of course I will. And I will, the same time as I write to Arthur. Go, Go on, Tommy, show him you're a man. Go and fight for Britain, show them that you can. Go and be a hero, kill the Kaiser too. Go and join the army and we'll all love you. <laughs> Why don't you leave me alone? I really don't want to go. Danny James was killed last week. I heard the postman who delivered the telegram to his mother was as upset as her. We've lost five men from this village this year already, and it's only August. But we've all got to go now. I don't want to kill anyone. Dad would have been proud of you, Tommy. But what will you do if I don't come back? Who will look after you? Of course you'll come back. You're a big, strong man now. I was so worried about him. Although he was a strong lad, he wasn't like most of the young men in the village. He'd get upset at the slightest thing. Everything in the house had to be just so. Even packing a bag took him longer than one would expect. He'd pack it, then empty it because it wasn't right to him. Then he'd repack it and repeat the performance at least three times. I've got my things then, ma'am. I better go. Are you sure you've got everything you'll need? Yes, I, I had it all on the bed, just like you said, and put it in my bag. How many times? Just the once, like always. 
Oh, don't cry. I'll be all right. Take care, Bach. We'll see you soon. Do you think he'll be all right, ma'am? You know what he's like. He packed his bag at least three times. I know. I just hope... We'll have to see. How's Arthur getting on? I had a letter last week. He says he's fine. Can't tell me too much of what's going on. Not allowed to. They were all innocent young men. Tommy was nervous about having to go away to war. We knew what could happen to him, but how could we stop it? Nobody seemed able to stop it. Governments, politicians, generals all just wanted to send men to their deaths because it was the thing to do. He'd heard the stories about living in the trenches, but he had to go. I just didn't know what was going on inside his head. staying out even if you are. I'm not going in there. But we've got to shelter Tommy. Come on, it'll be all right. I hate being underground. We'll be fine. What if another shell lands on us? We'll be safer inside. If it lands around here, at least we'll have some shelter. Now come on, it's pouring. You die of cold out here. That youngster's terrified of going underground, sir. I know, he's a brave lad. He'll do anything you ask of him. One of the first to go over the top. I don't know how he survived. He saved my life last week, shooting that enemy soldier behind me. He'll have to go underground. I'll have to order him. He'll do it then. Now, lad, you have to go in there. That's an order. The sergeant, I... Now, boy! I'll wait by the entrance. Done, sir. A fear of being buried alive. We've lost a lot of men to that neurosis. I was talking with one of my fellow officers and he knew a soldier who'd survived a cave-in in the trenches. He went walking into the open and began to take his clothes off, explaining he was going to bed, to look for comfort in sleep. His mind had become sealed off from the real world that had violated him. It's becoming more and more common. This war's done a lot of damage, sir. A lot we don't see nor understand, Sergeant. For nearly two years we fought in the trenches. We were terrified. Over the top we'd go, following orders, rushing into no man's land, shooting our rifles, bayonets ready to stab. Survival was our only worry. To live, to fight another day, and then back to the trenches to await the next order to charge, up over the top, to face a stream of bullets. The enemy charged at us as well. The soldiers were so brave, they had to obey orders to kill us. It was madness. The soldiers were under constant bombardment. They closed their eyes, hoping against hope that they'd be able to open them again. Able to see, able to walk, able to pick up their guns, able to fight again, able to resume contact with their colleagues. And most importantly, home. News of the war conditions reached us. 
Men were being used as cannon fodder in the fight for freedom. I worried about Tommy, as I worried about Maggie's fiancé, Arthur. We'd all suffered terrible losses. Friends, colleagues, men who'd fought bravely, men who'd questioned the real reason for all the horrible carnage. Men who'd lost their minds, men who'd run away and had been judged to be cowards. Some had been executed for crimes that, well, that they couldn't help committing. The war had treated them cruelly. There were many damaged soldiers, hundreds, no, thousands, more, and, and, and we didn't understand what was wrong. I wondered what effect this conflict would have on these poor, unfortunate people, their families, all of us who survived. The acrid smell of mustard gas was always a threat. Choking, blinding, killing. We prayed for winds to blow away the poisonous clouds that drove us all mad. Tommy wasn't a cold killer, but he developed an impassioned attitude towards fighting. When he went over the top, he was the most effective of our group of men, killing the enemy soldiers and returning to the trench without a scratch. But he wouldn't speak to anyone. No one knew what was going on inside his head after these episodes. We couldn't get through to him and wondered when he would snap. I hated it. Going over the top, following orders, killing men, but that's what I had to do. Kill or be killed. I worried that I may begin to enjoy what I was doing. I knew I'd have to stop one day. I was frightened of myself, of what I had become. I had to kill every German soldier I could, but I knew they were ordinary men, just like me. Sent to the front to kill every Tommy they could. Didn't people care about all the dying, all the pain, all the suffering? It didn't just affect us, but our families as well. I didn't care anymore about a piece of cloth with a Union Jack on it. Was that what we were fighting for? There was only one thing that cheered us up amongst that carnage which was our way of life. Post from home today, men. Look, the sun's shining. A break for you all. You'll all be pleased. You're having a joke, aren't you, Sarge? We'll be back to it before long. Thanks, Sarge. Let's all hope we've all got one. What do you say, Evans? It's almost peaceful today. Evans, one for you. Jones, one for you. Williams, one for you. Vittle, one for you. It's it's from Mam. Nothing from Maggie this time. Strange. She said she'd write at the same time as Mam. I've got one for mine as well. What does it say? Oh. What's the matter? Arthur's been killed. What, Maggie's Arthur? Yes. She'll be so upset. But she's hearing Mam's letter as well. That's terrible. What the hell are we doing here? Young ladies all over the country were told not to expect to get married as there would not be enough men to go around. They would have to make their own way through life as best they could on their own.
Says your Uncle William's been killed too. Poor Auntie Martha. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a parcel for you, Williams. Oh, thank you. Open it up, boy. It could be a cake. Your mother bakes the best. You open it, here. Let me have a look. Yes, it's cake. Look, boys, we'll share it around. That's tasty. Here. There's a bit left for you two. By the summer of 1918, our side had made headway and were moving towards the German border, pushing back the enemy. But there was no one to come home to me now. Like lots of other girls who looked forward to our sweethearts coming home, there was no point crying anymore. The battles were cruel, our friends were dying, our enemy, the young German soldiers, were dying as well. But orders were orders. In his letters home, Tommy often wrote about the young men whom he regarded as his enemy. The ones he had killed. What would their families be like? How would they react? They were ordinary families like ours, surely. By mid-August, some of the German politicians and army commanders agreed they could not win the war, and offers of peace were made a month later. But these were rejected, and the fighting continued. Surely our politicians, seeing that the war was now being won, would agree to stop. How many more would have to be killed just because important people in offices somewhere didn't want to lose face? But I too had to obey orders and to make sure the men carried them out. As we progressed through abandoned enemy lines, we found little resistance. One particular morning I gave the order to advance, guns at the ready, packs on backs, and to move to the next trench. The fog was thick, and we were able to move easily without being seen, and evade any snipers left behind to slow us down. I'm not going, James. I don't care what the order is. The captain's a good man, but this fog is our opportunity to escape from this hell we call fighting for freedom. Two years listening to stupid generals who think they know best. How many were we lost? Men we got to know well, gone. What do you think you'll do here, on your own? You'll have to come with us. You won't be able to stay here. You know what I think of this bloody war. It's not right. We've just been shoved here to fight men just like us. Men with families. There are families back home with no husbands and fathers to go home to them. And most of those who won't have a normal life. You can tell by their eyes they're scared. Scared of dying, scared of going home. They've changed from what they were. I've changed, you've changed. I've had enough. I just go out there and shoot and stab. We're all the same, both sides, just bloody butchers. And then we leave them rot. I can't do it anymore. What the hell are we fighting for anyway? What are you going to do? I've got to get out of here. I can't stand it any longer. Where are you going to go? I don't know. Just back. Back where? Home. I've got to see my mum and my sister. They need me. Right, men. There's a lull. We've had orders to advance. Seems pretty safe, but keep together, otherwise we'll all get split up in this fog. I'm coming with you. We'll both get home together. Better chance that way. 
I knew you would. Right, man. Make sure your rifles are fully loaded and bayonets fixed. I know it's quiet out there and it doesn't look as if there'll be any opposition, but we can't be too careful. Keep your heads down, men. Should be safe in this fog, but stray bullets have a habit of finding an unsuspecting target. Move to the back, James. Just tie these up. Your laces? Come on, Evans. We've got to move. What's the matter? Uh, it's my laces. They've come undone. I'll be with you now. We can't just stand here. They'll be expecting us up there, ready to move on. Just go that way. No one will see you. Quick. I'll be right there. Quick, down that way. There. Quiet. Are we all up? Anyone behind you, Jones? No, I can't see anyone. I thought Evans was behind me. But he must have passed me. Difficult to see in this fog. Good. Let's get a move on. We'll do a head count when this fog lifts. Where are you, James? I'm here. You're nearly touching me. This fog's so thick. Right. Up here. They've gone that way. We'll go up here to our left. We're lucky, Tommy. They won't notice us missing for hours with this thick fog. Just stay close. We want to get away safely and don't talk until we're right away. God, that's cleared. Are we all here, men? I'll do the roll call, sir. It's clearing, Tommy. We'll have to move. They'll know we've deserted. We'll be shot. What the hell have we done? Just keep walking, James. We'll be far enough away by the time they've noticed. We're two men down, sir. Who's missing, Sergeant? We all came out of the last trench, didn't we? I saw Private Tommy Evans tying his laces. But when I looked back, he wasn't there. I thought he'd passed me. He must be lost in the fog. Ah, if we'd stuck together, we'd all be here. Who else is missing? I'm sure it must be Williams. The friends. I've been worrying about Evans for a while. His behaviour's been unnatural. Brave to the extreme, but... He must have... They can't be too far behind us. It's quiet here, sir. Do you want us to go back and see if we can find them? No, Sergeant. Someone may pick them up. If they get caught, sir, they'll be court-martialed, sir. You know what'll happen. Very well. Take Jones with you. We walked for hours and reached a deserted village. We found scraps of food in the house and fruit. Now the harvest was upon us. What do you know about these two, Jones? Same as you, Sarge. Evans just goes over the top, but just seems to take it so personally. Shuts himself off from the rest of us. Williams tries to talk him out of it, but he takes hours. Never really speaks to us about anything. You know what the band is like. What it's got to be like for us to keep sane, but Evans could never be part of that. Williams tries to be like us, but he always keeps an eye out for Evans. Almost as if he's made a promise to someone from home. His family, probably. He's not... Like us, Jones? No, I know. I don't know how he's survived for so long. I hope we find them soon. Night's upon us. There, yeah, there are some houses over there. It'll be shelter for the night. Wait! Wait! I, yes, I can see some activity. Load your gun, Jones. I'm ready, Sarge. Looks like our side. They're bringing someone out. Probably captured some of the Hun. Stragglers, I'll bet. Oh well, 
it won't be over for them. No. The voices I recognise. It's... Get off me! Get the hell off You're me! Your Get off me, you would you? Get off! Oh, man. There might be a chance. Let's see what we can do. Are you trying to get away? No, soldier. We're looking for some men lost from our battalion. What's your regiment? We are South Wales borderers. Just like these two. Try to get away from us when we stumbled upon them. Deserters, I'd say. Evans. Williams. You better come with us. Sorry, but they're our prisoners. Where are your soldiers? I attended their court-martial. One of three officers in the area at the time. A major wanted a quick trial. Twenty minutes, that's all it would take, and then... They were accused of cowardice. I had to speak up for these brave youngsters. They should have been awarded for gallantry. I really couldn't understand their behaviour. Bring in the deserters. We'll make this short and sweet. Captain, two of your men, I believe. Yes, sir. We were split up as we advanced from one trench to another. The enemy had withdrawn further than we'd anticipated. A mist fell upon us that particular day. I'm surprised we didn't lose any others. Are you attempting to make excuses for these two men? They should have kept up. There's no reason why they shouldn't. The British Army hasn't any time for men like that. I've been told that Private Williams has been giving all sorts of reasons. The other one, Evans, hasn't spoken a word. He's not answered any questions apart from a yes sir or a no sir. Belligerence, I'd call it. Where are they? Bring them in. You do realise that it's the death penalty for this? I'm surprised by their actions, sir. Neither of them shown any sign of being deserters. Tell me, Evans, why did you desert? You've not given any reason. Why? Are you scared to die? Because die you will for this. You know the law. Are you going to answer, Evans? Private Williams has plenty to say. Said you'd got lost in the fog. Well? Where did you think you'd be going, Evans? You've been such a good soldier. I don't know, sir. We carried on walking and found shelter where there was some food. We were lost, sir. We couldn't find you. Be quiet, Williams. I haven't any time for this. You know the penalty for desertion. Well, men, we have a decision to make. Quite easy, I should think. Lost in the fog, indeed. I ask you, there are three of us here. I'm sure we're in agreement. No, no, sir. I'm not. Both these men have been brave soldiers. I'll not be party to this. Are you going soft? These are deserters. They should be shot. And the sooner the better if I have anything to do with it. I am of the same opinion, Captain Simpson. We must maintain this discipline and make an example of these liars, cowards. I suggest you change your mind, Morris. We'll be done with it. No, sir, I will not. He saved my life on numerous occasions. Is is that your final word? Yes, sir. Well, we can't shoot one without the other. What do you suggest, then? Hard labour? Well, we could wait until the end of the war and then take them home. Make sure that they're punished. But until that time, we can deal with them in in another way. What do you suggest, Simpson? Uh, Well, sir, my regiment is about to start an offensive. Bloody enemies refusing to give up, even though their officers know that it can't last long. Well, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Don't you, Morris? Have I a choice, sir? No. I'm sure you'll take care of those two, Captain Simpson. 
After this war is over, you'll be taken back to Britain and punished there. But until then, you will go with Captain Simpson. Thank you, sir. Don't thank me, Evans. Your captain whom you deserted when other soldiers were prepared to follow is the officer who... Oh, why should I waste my breath? Take them away. We were transferred back to the front, not to our battalion. We were taken by the other captain at our trial. It was nothing like our Captain Morris would we'd let down. This was to be our punishment for having gone absent without leave, to join other frightened young men, but they didn't want to tell their own stories. Neither did Tommy. You two, get to the front. I hope you're not shirking, Williams. You know the drill. Over the top of my whistle. Let the Huns know we mean business. I hope your gun's loaded, Evans. Don't come back here if it isn't. Chances are you won't. Go, follow them, man. Pick your targets. They're trying to prove me wrong. I'm sure of it. Oh, some bullets will get them sooner or later. Send them over again in ten minutes. What do the other men think of those two? They're deserters, sir. The men all know it, but don't seem to take any notice. They just want to get to the end of this war. Oh, it'll be different when we get them home. They won't get away with it. Just make them wish that they hadn't walked out on their men, Sergeant. Don't worry, sir. By the 10th of November, the temperature had dropped and due to the cold nights, the soldiers had slept no more than an hour or two. The following morning, they were told that they would have to cross a clearing in Woodlands to continue their advance. Right, men. We have to cross this gap in the trees. We've not heard anything, so it should be easy. Evans and Williams to the front. Load your rifles and fix bayonets, men. It seems safe, but you never know. Just in case. Uh, Sergeant, a word. We've had news. It's over. What, sir? The war, man. It's over. Get the men over the other side of this clearing and then, uh, well, yeah, it should be safe there. And we can wait until the agreement takes effect at 11 o'clock. Is that when we stop fighting, sir? Yes, man. Now, have you got the men ready? You've chosen who's to lead, I assume. Yes, sir. Made sure all guns are loaded. Right, then give the order. I'll stay here and watch out for enemy snipers. Well, that's until everyone's crossed. They could be anywhere. Are you two ready? Yes, Sergeant. Well, this is us again. Always the first to go. I'll see you on the other side. Yes. The other side. See you there. Go now. We'll be behind you. That's an order. Go! Get down, man! Tommy? Tommy? Are you there? Answer me! Right, man. Cross now and keep your eyes open. Tommy, where are you? Answer me! But I wasn't there. His crumpled, lifeless body lay on the ground. His head was twisted so I could see his eyes staring at me. Blood was seeping into the dampness of the wet earth from a wound I couldn't see. Tears welled up inside me. My friend from home was no more. 
I looked back as the other soldiers joined me, but not one more shot was fired. The sniper's last bullet must have hit him. On the 11th of November at 5am, an armistice with Germany was signed in a railway carriage at Compiègne to the north of Paris. At 11am on the 11th of November 1918, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, a ceasefire came into effect. During the six hours between the signing of the armistice and its taking effect, opposing armies on the Western Front began to withdraw from their positions. But some commanders continued ordering their men to fight, wanting to capture more territory before the war ended. Within an hour of Tommy's death, peace was declared. That nervous little boy who'd cried in his mother's arms on the day his father had died, now lay dead himself. The cross placed on his birth certificate by his father appeared to have foretold his son's future. My Tommy would never come back. He was one of millions, killed in a war to end wars, in a conflict that had drawn the world into one of the greatest tragedies in history. I never married. Nobody came back for me. Many of those who did had changed beyond recognition. I became friendly with one, but my heart wasn't really. I still cried for my Arthur. My little brother Tommy came to me in my dreams many times. I could hear his voice. Recently, I thought I'd seen him in the churchyard looking for his name on the cenotaph. But I knew it was only... Oh, Tommy Bach. We kept the home fires burning While our hearts were yearning Though our lads were far away They dreamt of home Where's the silver lining The dark clouds never leaving they stay above and never go. Remember Me by John Roach. This is a play written to commemorate the lives of servicemen who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. A huge thanks to all the people who have taken part. Liz Rawlins, Owen Roach, Jacob Evans, Neil Sandford, Ruby Salmon, Cicely Blacklaw-Jones, Stephanie Jane Hills, Bill Hurst, Sam Howley, Amelia Thomas, Andrew Rees, Jonathan Bell, Jenny Roach, Zach Davis, Oscar Tuke, Yestin Freya, Nick Groves, and the pupils of Year 6 of Claydai Reach School. A special thanks to Sam Howley and Janice Roberts for composing the music and to Neil Martin for editing the play to be broadcast on Pure West Radio.
This is Pure West Radio for Pembrokeshire from Pembrokeshire. And there we are. That was Remember Me, the radio play by John Roach about the tale of a Pembrokeshire soldier who was killed in the last hour of the First World War at 10 o'clock on the 11th of the 11th of 1918. So, John, once again, thank you very much for allowing us to play this uh, on this day because it, of course, is a very pointy story and very special story as well. Now, um, I am aware that this is also a very special dedication to one of the actors who took part in this uh, play. So could you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yes, we'd like to dedicate the presentation of this play this November to the memory of Bill Hurst, a dear friend to many people and a talented colleague in the fields of drama and music. Bill played the parts of the British politician and the major in the court-martial scene. He passed away suddenly a few weeks ago and will be greatly missed, none more than by his wife Sarah and their family. He was a genuine gentleman and the voice of reason to all around him. He was always eager to help without stealing the limelight. Thank you, Bill, for your support and friendship. This one's for you. Thank you very much indeed. Right then, so we'll have one song to close out this out, then we'll be passing you over to Luke for later on tonight. So thank you very much for tuning in. I'll catch you guys next week to listen in and level up. And this is, of course, a very special show dedicated to all those who have served in the armed forces over the years. Goodbye. If you're looking to get new carpet, laminate or vinyl flooring in your home or workplace, look no further. Nathan Blake Flooring can supply and fit, giving you fantastic quality for amazing prices. We offer a mobile service allowing you to pick your new flooring in the comfort of your own home. To get 20% off your first order of flooring, just quote Pure West. It's simple. Call us today. 07455 229 647 for your free quotation. TNCs apply. I'm Sarah Miller and I'll be joined by local experts in farming, food, wildlife and all the other things that are precious to the Pembrokeshire countryside every Sunday between 9 and 11. Salter's Blinds offers a wide range of blinds for every room in your home or office. See our extensive range of vertical and roller blinds made on the premises to find just what you've been looking for. Right now, buy five sets of vertical or roller blinds and get the sixth one free. A professional and friendly service awaits you. So visit our showroom today at Unit 1 Withybush Trading Estate or visit saltersblinds.co.uk. Top quality blinds at factory prices. Coast Aquatics are proud sponsors of Pet Week on Pure West Radio, South Wales' number one aquatic store. Coast Aquatics in Haverford West pride themselves on providing top quality aquatic livestock of the highest standard. Their highly experienced staff are always on hand to help you with anything that's needed and answer any questions. Call in and see for yourself our large selection of tropical freshwater, marine and cold water fish. New in stock for November is the Oak Style Collection Fish Tanks in a variety of colours. These complete units are the next level in fish keeping. For a list of our current stock and offers, please visit them on Facebook, call into store or contact Ben on 01437 768130. Coast Aquatics are proud sponsors of Pet Week on Pure West Radio. The Bush Inn, Robertson Wathen, home to the famous Pembrokeshire Calvary every Sunday and Wednesday. You can enjoy our delicious home-cooked food every evening, Tuesday to Saturday. Also, don't forget if you have a sweet tooth, you can indulge in our homemade desserts. Be sure to visit our Facebook page for the latest events, offers and competitions. 
Booking is essential for the Sunday sitting and now available till 7pm. Call 01834 860 778 or visit thebushinrobustonwathen.com. Family and food is what we do. The Bush Inn, Robuston Wathen. At Teas R Us, our services range from one-off t-shirt printing and slogans to embroidered clothing and uniforms for business and clubs. Whether your design needs to look crisp and professional or it's just a bit of fun, our experienced embroiders and t-shirt printers offer high-quality products at very competitive prices. Remember, if your business needs to look like a team, we can help design a logo and embroider it or screen print it onto quality clothing especially on workwear or for sports clubs and schools. Personalised clothing from Teas R Us. We can take care of it all. Find us at Rumbleway Service Station New Hedges, 10B in Law Street, Pembroke Dock and Prendergast in Haverford West. Teas R Us. Listen live at purewestradio.com 24 hours a day. Pure West Radio.
Pembrokeshire. This is Pure West Radio. 